we might be confused at what our feelings are trying to tell us. We might think we know, but, but we don't. We're back. Another week, second take podcast, uh, taking another look at kind of the message and content of our new renewal series that we're going over. Yeah. So last week, we kind of talked about the renewal of the heart. That's kind of where we got our start. And this week, now we're talking about renewal of the mind. So I'm going to kick yes. that over to you right away and just kind of give us kind of an overview of kind of renewal of the mind. Why do we need it? Where does it come from? Yeah. Well, as I was putting together this sermon, it was, it was a little challenging because I was thinking about thinking and thinking about renewing thinking. It's very philosophical. Thinking about new thoughts with your existing thoughts and kind of making sense of the mind a little bit, you know? And um, the mind is very important. Uh, A lot gets into the mind these days as we think about, you know, there's there's no spirit for a lot of people. So you got to fit a lot into the mind. Mental health is a big uh, conversation piece in our in our culture. So uh, how does all this fit in? I'm really trying to make sense of, I guess, uh, our minds are messed up, you know, and, and, but they've also been designed by God. So, uh, you know, some, some philosophers, some scientists, early scientists were a lot, a lot of them were Christians, most of them, in fact. And, uh, you know, one guy said, I'm trying to think God's thoughts after him. So they saw within the natural world, the ability to think, uh, the ability to think undergirds actually our, our whole thought life, you know, and we can base our mind or our thought life on a creative God who's, who can think and who's made us in his image, right? Uh, and if you take away that, that, uh, that grounding, actually you, you lose whether or not you can trust your own mind. So. Um, I don't think it's something that that atheists or scientists like to talk about, but without a rational being governing all things, there's no logical basis for rationality at all. So now I don't know if that's a great place. That's not always where you want to go in a sermon, but I think as we kind of process through this renewal of the mind in, in this in this podcast, I think it is something worth talking about to say, you know, um, why can we even trust our minds? You know, so I don't, or should we? Should, you know, right. we kind of talked about with the heart last week. We kind of got a little bit into kind of like what is our heart? How does that maybe you know guide us or influence our decisions? Maybe our feelings a little bit. Kind of like what? So what place does our mind have? Kind of like when? When should we kind of rely on our mind or follow our mind? Or what does our mind yeah. do for us? How should we be relying on it or not relying on it? Well, I think our mind builds a map of reality for us what's possible. You know, one of the beautiful things about the human mind is we can actually imagine things that aren't real. You know, that's not, and not, a, not every species can do that, at least from what we understand. So we can actually put ourselves in situations that don't exist. And it helps us survive because we can play things out that, you know, we can try to see into the future through our minds. But we're very limited. Uh, and, and we can say even that, that some people have maybe limited their imagination or limited their life by the thoughts uh, that they allow to govern their reality. Mm-hmm. Yeah, why don't we, 
why don't we get ready for our first clip here? Let's get that pulled up. Um, just kind of like keep that discussion rolling about kind of like our minds and how we kind of build images in our mind. And, and I, I think our thought life consists of, of ideas and images. It consists of information and then even the ability to think. So um, the, the ideas, you know, they're kind of just the, the, the ways that we start to interpret the, the world around us. We can't necessarily put our, our finger on ideas. They're very kind of arbitrary. Uh, but, but images, they're, they're kind of the, how we start to concretize or, or make solid these ideas that exist in the world. Images might be like for a Christian, a cross. These images that come to represent things uh, in our minds. It might be a, a flag, right? And, and what that comes to convey, what, what what ideas that starts to conjure in our own hearts, uh, in our own minds. I thought that was kind of a cool way to start, you know, thinking about or building that image, literally, of what you're talking about, yeah. that, like, there's that um, distinction between mm -hmm. kind of ideas and then how that kind of becomes real in our mind. Like, it's not really, we kind of give those ideas uh, kind of a unique shape to, like, our relationship yeah. with them when we give them some sort of image in our mind. And it just kind of like, it got me thinking about even just like the whole, kind of like the entirety of the Bible or God or faith and how like everybody in their own mind, like has a different picture really of what that looks like in the right. same way that when you read a book, you know, people picture the characters totally differently. And then you go to mm -hmm. watch the movie and people are like, that's not what I thought that person was going to look yeah. like at all. And it makes you realize really how kind of unique everybody's own experience must be mm -hmm. with faith or even with their relationship with god because they have a different image of that in their mind i just thought that was really cool yeah. to like start thinking about well and uh it gets into a little bit of the postmodern thinking where it's like you know there's this concept and then the concept signified in our minds we all might have something different that we think about and so the postmodern would make the move to say well if we all are thinking something different then none of us can think the same thing but you know we we hold this kind of subjective reality that all of us may have this different interpretation, but there still is one uh, solid meaning, if you will, for you know they are something that that we agree upon. Uh, I guess what I was you know thinking about that, I was trying to understand this deconstruction movement a little bit and following some uh, people online that that were talking about deconstruction, and it just didn't sit right with me how they talked about you know because. Basically, the whole thing was, um, you know, you shouldn't let anyone govern the way you think or let a faith tr system or tradition um, impose its ideas or morality on you. And how they talked really bothered me, but I couldn't, like, I couldn't put my finger on why. I couldn't, like, sort out all the ideas in my head until uh, one of the people that I followed, they wrote a poem. And I read the poem, and it finally clicked in my head. Like, I finally had the image. It, it, it became clear to me. So I think um, in, what I saw was, you know, people telling other people not to let people tell them what to think. Mm -hmm. <laughs> it's like, dude, you're telling people what to think when you're telling them not to follow other people in their thinking. It's like, uh, don't you see your, it's kind of circular, your hypocrisy? It, a bit? Right. Yeah, yeah. Um, you know, and I guess sometimes I think we can't, we can't fully flesh out the ideas without some images or something more concrete to hold on to. 
you know, and that that goes with our faith life. And that's why, you know, sometimes sermons or or uh, lectures and classes, they can almost be too abstract and they, they lose us. You know, we, we need to be brought down to reality and we need to see how it actually plays itself out in real life. And then we can say, oh, I get it. You know, I, I can see you living that out. Now I get it. Mm-hmm. You know, that's why I think it's important also for us in, in faith communities to have people that we can look up to. You know, it's a, yeah, I can learn all this information, but I need to see that information in, in action. And then I can get a vision actually of, oh, I see. I, I have this guy that I know and he does it. He lives this out. I, there's that woman. And she, you know, she just, I see her love her children unconditionally. Now I know what it looks like in reality. Yeah. Yeah, I think it's like, it's interesting because I, I see myself as like a vis- visual learner in a lot of ways. And mm-hmm. I, I forget what the, whatever the opposite is of that, you know, like when they're talking about learning styles for, for school, um, they're like, oh, well, like if you're a visual learner, you learn better this way. And if you're, you know, the other one, you can, you know, just like listen to lectures or whatever. You just kind of like absorb that and like kind of immediately maybe build those images yourself in your mind. Um, but it makes me wonder, like, I mean, aren't like the vast majority of people kind of that like visual, visual learners where like you really need to, I don't know, build, build that image in your mind. Like, I feel like that's the, the norm. Mm. Maybe, maybe it's not. Maybe, just I'm, like, I'm, I guess I'm that's outside, my experience. <laughs> yeah, I'm outside my realm of knowledge in that. But yeah, yeah there's, uh, you can learn by hearing, by, mm. by seeing, by doing. You know, mm-hmm. I think... I think doing is a big one as well. You just learn by actually going through the motions mm-hmm. itself. But yeah. I guess all those get to the same point in the end where, I mean, those all result in building some sort of image in your mind. Yeah, synthesizing so, all the ideas. Yeah. 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 All right, well, let's, let's pull up the next clip here um, and start getting into kind of the differences between thoughts and feelings. Our thoughts don't necessarily define us. They don't define who we are or what we are. One of a human's unique abilities is to be able to dwell in unreality, to think about what actually doesn't exist in the hopes of maybe protecting ourselves from what could be, even though it isn't. But our thoughts don't necessarily define us, but they do confine us. They limit us. They hold us back. And, and that's exactly where, the, where mental health awareness starts to come into play. Uh, the, the stress that we're feeling, how is it limiting us? And our ability to see past our situation, our, our anxiety, how is it uh, impacting our hearts, or whatever, whatever mental stress might be working in our lives. I thought that was a really cool kind of like hit home phrase right there. Thoughts don't define us, but rather they confine us. Yeah, well, and to be human is to be limited. You know, and I think what we see today is people want to experience unlimited life. They don't want to be defined. Right? They want to be able to define themselves in their own way. And, uh, and what we can say, there's, you know, there's things that are imposed on us from the outside that maybe shouldn't be, um, but there are some things that are just, they're part of who we are. And it's in our limitations that we can actually live our lives. Mm-hmm. Right? We can only be in one place at one time. But in our mind today, with, with all of our distractions and multitasking, we can have our mind in about 100 different places at once. But is it helpful? You know, why is stress and depression and anxiety on the rise? Maybe because we're trying to be in too many places at once. Maybe because our mind is so scattered that we can't, um, we can't see anything clearly. And when you can't see anything clearly, that's the perfect setting for raising anxiety because you don't know what is around the corner in any of the 15 different places where your mind is. So do you think, you know, kind of getting into a little bit 
about feelings and maybe what their place is. Do feelings come from our heart or from our mind or from both? You know, that's I, I processed this through some college students um, recently as I was preparing for this sermon series. So where, where are feelings located? Mm-hmm. Because I, I wanted to say heart. You know, that was, and a lot of them said mind. Uh, and there was one psychology major who, who said that as well. Like, you know, feelings are part of the mind. Uh, I read this, I was, I'm reading this book uh, by Dallas Willard as well, and he talks about feelings being part of the mind. And um, yeah, I think feelings give color to our thoughts. They give substance to our thoughts. I do, I, I am coming to see, you know, I think they are part of the, the, the mental experience, you know, and they help us, feelings help us remember, you know, they, um, and I guess feelings, um, Feelings are neither good nor bad inherently, I would say, um, but it's how we then leverage them. I think mm-hmm. that starts to um, shape or mold them, mm-hmm. you know, one way or the other. Sure, sure. Why don't we skip the next clip, go to the one after that, because that is going to relate very specifically to what we're talking about. So I want to hit that first, and then we can kind of move on from there and dig into it. One of the most destructive thoughts is that we think the best way to make decisions is with our feelings. We have feelings. Feelings are a part of how God wired us to be, whether it's anger or, or desire, all these different things. God is, God is actually hardwired into people. In our time, though, feelings have come to be something that we believe must be satisfied. We must satisfy those feelings, those urges, those desires that we have. And, and I think feelings become one of those uh, tricky things if we're dedicated as Christians to get through. You know, I, I feel angry about this, so I must act this way. Or I feel depressed right now, so I must do that. We get, we get caught up in our feelings and they give life to our thoughts, right? And, and they can... Uh, taint our, a whole day, a whole week, a whole month, a whole life. All I look back is see pain as I think about our relationship. All I can see is the, the frustration and, and the fights, right? They start to color our, our memory, they start to color our thoughts, and they start to, again, hold us captive. Don't be conformed to the patterns of this world, but be transformed, Paul says, by the renewal of your mind. So for me, what hit me there was the, the phrase, you know, feelings give life to your thoughts. Mm. I kind of like, that's, that's kind of starting to kind of build that image in my mind of like kind of the connection between the two. Yeah. How there's like, there's almost this, this bridge there and kind of like how they're connected. Well, yeah, even if you think about the Myers-Briggs mm-hmm. personality inventory, which you can, you can think whatever you want about it, right? But um, thinking and feeling are on a, a spectrum, they say, right? And this is interesting that I've, thing I've noticed as I've been parenting, and it's, this has been challenging me personally, but I have one child who's clearly more emotive and one who is more uh, intuitive. I don't know the, the thinking versus feeling. I think mm-hmm. it's the T and the F, the right? So it's yeah. the third yeah. one. But I would say that my thinker is more confined by his feelings and my feeler is way more free 
in his in his actions. Mm-hmm. And I'm even realizing for myself, like I I would say I'm more of a thinker than a feeler, but but how many decisions I make on a daily basis based off my feelings. I don't feel like doing this. I feel like this is right. You know, it's like, man, this this is challenging me personally to say, um, why why am I let, letting feelings be the deciding factor in in my course of actions? So as we talk about the heart and intentions and will and all that stuff, yeah, thoughts and feelings start to set the direction for our our heart in some pretty significant ways. And you know, we have so many so many decisions to make as people these days. I mean, thousands of decisions that people a hundred years ago did not have to make. You know. Um, even what, what are you going to wear today? <laughs> it's like, I got two, two outfits. I can wear the one that I wear uh, every day or the one I wear on Sundays and special days. <laughs> we have way more decisions to make each and every day. And I think we're just so overwhelmed, especially when it comes down to feelings. You know, now we have to decide everything based on feelings. Do you think, can we control our thoughts and or our feelings? Is there one we can, one we can't? Or can, do we have control over both of them? What do you think? Because I know there's, there are some people that are pretty adamant that like you don't have control over your feelings. Mm. That kind of that's more of like a, that's what comes first. It's kind of like innate. It's like your feelings are something that happened to you and then you get to decide how you respond. Kind of like how you think, how you act, what you say to people. Mm-hmm. And I, I don't know how I feel about that. I want to get your thoughts on that. Yeah, I I mean, there's probably people smarter than me and that have done way more research uh, into this. But um, from my perspective, I would say uh, feelings, is, it's, we can start to shape our feelings. It's kind of like um, dieting, I feel like, you know, okay. you might desire to eat sugar or chocolate, you know, all the time. Uh, but after you don't eat sugar and chocolate for like a month, you don't desire it in the same way, right? So as, as you start to constrain feelings that you know are detrimental and thoughts that you know are detrimental, they happen less often, mm-hmm. right? And I think that's the Romans 12 passage, don't be conformed to the pattern of the world. Okay, the world is structured in a way where we're, we're enslaved to our thoughts, we're enslaved to our desires, and we just let, let them run, mm-hmm. but rather be transformed. Well, transformation is, it's not like that, right? Transformation is, it's a process. It's a, it's the same word that we use when we talk about what happens to a a caterpillar that turns into a butterfly. That takes a while. It's not like that happens overnight. That caterpillar has got to eat a lot of food, get big enough to make its own little cocoon. And it stays in that cocoon for a while. You know, my kids, we've raised some, uh, you know, uh, caterpillars that turns into cocoons and monarch butterflies. And like it, it's a, it's a process. Mm-hmm. Even as the butterfly starts to emerge from its cocoon, right? It's it's a process before it can start to fly. It's got to dry its wings, and so I think, um, yeah, we'll still have feelings that come up in our lives, but also um, we might be confused at what our feelings are trying to tell us. We might think we know, but but we don't, mm-hmm. right? So, um, yeah, I don't have any great examples for that. Yeah, I no, I think that that's a really good way to to kind of start thinking about those two things in response to my question. I mean, it seems to me, based on what you're saying, that, you know, it's, it is something where, you know, we need to recognize, like, where feelings are having a negative impact in our life and being able to kind of, like, figure out 
how that is kind of like harming us or kind of maybe mm-hmm. even steering us in the wrong direction and know that like there is something we can do about it like we can t- there are steps that we can take to kind of start to to curb that or like recognize right. where our feelings are having detrimental impacts on our relationships on the way that we treat other people yeah. on you know our own mental health and that like there is something we can do about it well, even if it's a process that takes time and just like one step at a time like working chipping away at kind of the the problem per se yeah, let's just take an example like you're depressed. Mm-hmm. Okay, you're feeling depression. Um, so you're like, well, I'm just going to go have a few drinks. Well, alcohol is a depressant. Mm-hmm. So that's not going to help things. <laughs> um, the very things that are going to help you get through depression are the things you have no desire to do. Go talk to somebody. Have a normal conversation. Go grocery shopping and look people in the eye. Like, they're the very things you don't want to do. But once you look at that stranger, that old lady pushing her cart, and you look and you smile and you say hi, and she looks back and say, hi. Like, you get a feeling of like, oh, there are people out there, maybe even some that care about me. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and you start to actually, your spirits start to get lifted by doing the very things you don't want to do. And like, it's the same, it's, it's the same like, kind of across the board. Mm-hmm. So often the things that are going to make us better are the things that we don't desire at all. I mean, just watch any movie. That's the, isn't that the heart of most most uh stories mm-hmm. the the hero has to go through something that uh, he doesn't want to do or she doesn't want to do to get to the place where they need to go mm-hmm. i mean it's it's pretty obvious although in the moment we don't feel like we want to. Yeah. <laughs> obviously yeah it seems like it's almost like people's immediate response is to think that what's going to make things better is to do what they want to do in mm-hmm. that moment and it's almost like you got to just like tell yourself figure out what you want to do and mm-hmm. then be like i probably shouldn't do that I need to well, pick something that I, you know, and I don't, I guess I don't want to get too controversial, but I think of an issue like abortion, mm-hmm. you know, so many of these women are in really terrible situations. Mm-hmm. Like we can't even imagine how bad some of them are. I can't, I'm sure, you know, and they, they're like, well, I, the only way out of this for me is to get rid of the pregnancy. Is that really the only way, you know, like I got to finish my high school degree, my college degree. Who says you have to finish that in four years? Mm-hmm. You? It, the, society. Society. Um, you know, this is just whatever, whatever the situation might be, we can be so constrained in our thought life that this seems to be the only available option. But in reality, that child is going to bring you so much joy. They're going to give your life so much purpose. Like you don't, you're not even going to, you don't even know the, the, the extra drive you're going to have to, to take care of yourself and your family. I mean, Having a child is life changing. Mm-hmm. At least it has been for me. And yeah. to to say that, you know, it's going to ruin your life to have this kid, I think is just so short sighted. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, especially as you think about, you know, we're we're all part of this community, and we all need. We might have to be taking care of people for a while, but there's going to come a time where we need people to take care of us. Mm-hmm. You know, so um, might be a little too controversial. Yeah. I don't know, but I mean, that community is super important, especially. You know, I think when it comes to what we're talking about here with the heart and the mind, but also, you know, specifically to, you know, the abortion discussion where that's, I think that's an area where a lot of people are lacking, you know, like they don't have a good community. And that's, you know, for a variety of reasons with where our culture is at and where the state of even just like religiosity in our country and in Mm -hmm. the world is at. And it's kind of a, an unintended consequence or side effect um, that, you know, people are just not having as much community and you know social media the internet as well big big factor in that too mm-hmm. um and it just like it causes a lot 
a lot of problems. Well, we could even go broader, I guess, and talk about relationships and, and marriage. And mm-hmm. people, I don't want that commitment. Mm-hmm. It's like, well, the most successful people are all married. <laughs> so why do we think that we're going to be more successful if we engage in the hookup culture mm-hmm. or our life is going to be better? It's, it's like clearly demonstrated that two people who stay together in a lifelong committed relationship are happier in the long, the long term, and it's a better foundation for children. So, you know, we're so constrained by what we see in the world around us and the narratives that we're told. And I, I guess this is another thing that I, I don't think I got to in my sermon, but I, I feel like we have these scripts in our head. Like we're, we're rerunning the same story. You know, it's like watching, like, you know, when you watch The Office. Um, what's going to be the general, what's going to happen mm-hmm. by and large in that episode? You know, Michael Scott's going to say something stupid and hilarious, and there's going to be something that's completely politically incorrect that happens, right? And that's what keeps you watching. And so I feel like in our heads, we have like this, like we're in a sitcom. So every day it's like, I'm going to be stressed about being late for work and, and uh, going to have those terrible relationships, with my family, whatever it is. Um, and we can't see our way out of like, is there a potential that there could be a different script for your life? You know, and how hard would it actually be to get there? You know? Mm-hmm. So I think that's why, that's where as, as Christians, we, could, we should be able to be open, open ourselves up before God and say, what are those areas of my life where I'm just completely blind to my own lack in my own failure, in my own sin, um, where I'm so sucked in that I can't even see my way out? Mm-hmm. Um, you know, is it the way I'm you know, talking to my spouse, or is it just that I'm I'm staying up too late watching way too much YouTube? Um, you know, just to say, God, what are those parts of my script that I've I'm not even noticing that I'm I'm living I'm living like a puppet. I think it's really easy to kind of get in that that rut, you know, where you're everything that's kind of happening to you and the things that you're doing are all kind of the same you know, it's similar, and there's no kind of like that, that self-reflection if you don't, if you aren't having that, you know, conversation or that really intentional relationship with God, kind of one of the things that you said in our last podcast that was really kind of like, for me, like the hit home phrase was, um, you know, if Jesus is knocking on the door to your heart, what do you want to change? What do you want to be different? What mm-hmm. do you want to be renewed? And like, man, I just like, when I think about that, po- like that's even just in the last two weeks, like that has just been like in my mind. Just like thinking about that, yeah. um, and I think that that is gonna let's let's pull up the the clip that I skipped because we're gonna play that in just a second here. Um, but just thinking about that in relation to like kind of like what you were saying about how we just like get in this situation where everything is kind of like it's the same and there's no change, you know. And like, how do we get from where we are? Like, how do we um, get the benefits of that renewal, or like are able to kind of like accept that renewal? Mm. Um, accept that gift of renewal. Um, so let's yeah. hop on to the next clip here, and then we can keep on talking. Yeah, Romans chapter 12 reiterates this, and Paul writes it this way. He says, don't be conformed to this world. And he said, but be transformed by the renewal of your mind. I want to think about that. I think conformed to this world. It means fitting into the schemes that are at play in this world. There's, There's powers and structures at work that are actually impacting the way we think and 
in ways that, well, that's beyond what we're even thinking about on a daily basis. Think about the, maybe the TV shows you watch or, or what you see on your screens. You don't control what gets in front of your face. You don't control maybe the, the bigger narrative that starts to make its way into your, into your life. I'm going to kind of challenge you on the last thing you said there because mm. I might not totally agree. Okay. Just with, I think, the way that you worded that was that we can't control what's in front of our faces and therefore we can't control the narrative. I was kind of like, I feel like we can control what's in front of our faces, but what we can't control is the narrative necessarily. Mm. You know, that we, there's these things that we kind of, we have control over whether or not, like kind of like what we're consuming and what's in front of us, but what we don't realize is happening is we don't realize the narrative that's being built in our mind or the kind of like the life that we're building for ourselves based on those things that we're consuming. Yeah, I, I, I would agree with with that okay saying that we we do have some control and i would say we do have some control but mm-hmm. but i would also push back and say you know uh where do you shop amazon okay you 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 search they don't they don't show you every every item on, okay they, i see where you're going they're that. controlling okay. the items you see mm-hmm. right you go into the store they're controlling what items make it on the shelf right um, they're controlling the marketing, the branding. Amazon has targeted ads that they're sending you. And all this data is being compiled that's trying to push you in this direction. And we don't even, we don't even know, mm-hmm. realize. You know, and that's, I mean, I believe Facebook was under pressure. It was a few years ago now. But kind of uh, for um, inciting extremism, right? Because you kind of, uh, you get shown the content that you're going to watch. You're going to interact with. So for their benefit, they benefit from you continuing to watch stuff. And so they're going to put stuff that's going to appeal to you in front of you. Mm-hmm. Right? So um, I see what you're saying. Just kind of like that there, there are systems in place, especially in our exactly. world today when it comes to the internet, yeah. that there's an element of that that we kind of like we are being controlled. There's, we're not getting the full picture, even when we feel like we are exactly. controlling like what we are consuming and where our attention is. There are kind of other forces at play well, that are... It plays into the evil world, which we talked about, I mean, a couple months ago now. But the word there is, is schema. You know, it's the Greek word scheme. Okay, so don't be conformed. It's like, don't be, uh, scheme, don't be caught up in the schemes. And uh, it, I think we are so oblivious to what's happening at the high le- highest levels. And we're just trying to live life. It's not our fault. Mm-hmm. You know, we're just trying to live life. You know, the way that you can control what you consume is by just, like, unplugging, you know, getting, getting offline, um, staying out of stores. I don't know, start your own little hobby farm and move out to the middle of nowhere. Like, that's your option, I guess. Uh, that kind of gets to your question that you, you kind of posed there is how has technology affected our ability to think? What's your answer to that? What, well, what do I you just, think? I find... Um, Myself sometimes my brain disengages when I start. We, it it teaches us to consume. Mm-hmm. I think that's the biggest problem. It teaches us to consume. I have become a consumer of information. You know, rather than a they rather than a thinker, <laughs> we become consumers of information. Um, yeah, does that make sense? I guess it does. Yeah, I mean, I think because on one hand it, it's it's something that we we don't think of or see as as being 
bad necessarily, especially like to consume information. Like that's a good thing, right? I should be, it can be. I should be learning. I should be, but like what's... It can also become God. Yeah. What's the point of consuming that information if you're not able to do it, if you're not able to think? Yeah. If you're not able or to... synthesize it. Yeah. Right. To take that information and be like, so what... what I'll tell you the purpose. What now? To make you, you know? overwhelmed, anxious, depressed, because there's somebody that's going to benefit from you being overwhelmed, anxious, and depressed. Mm-hmm. We don't, we don't think those, you know, everyone's, everyone is good. Well, not everyone's good. Um, there's companies that when they, when they sell you their drugs, they make money off of you, right? Uh, when you feel that way, you're going to go and turn to your favorite vice, whether it's overeating or, or um, you know, continuing to watch more and more videos, whatever it is. Like, there's somebody out there that's benefiting. We just have to be careful. We have to watch our heart. I'm not saying that's happening to you or to anyone listening, but I'm saying we're not even aware of the schemes. Mm-hmm. So Paul is saying, hey, watch out for the schemes, be transformed by the renewal of your mind. You know, and one thing I didn't even, I didn't go this direction, but the next line is, when your mind is renewed and transformed, it says, then you will know the will of God, what is good and right and acceptable. Mm -hmm. Right? So as our mind is renewed, we come to know what God wants, what God's thinking and what God's desiring, what God's feeling. Mm -hmm. So that's kind of cool, right? So we start to shape our, our mind after the mind of Christ. You know, and I think it's 2 Corinthians 6, or I don't know, somewhere there. Paul says, we take every thought captive and make it obedient to Christ. You know, is this a thought that I should even allow into my head? How many of us think, ask that, mm-hmm. right? But there are a lot of insidious things that get into us through our desires. Mm-hmm. So Yeah, I don't think we quite often we don't have that kind of like that gateway or that filter. We kind of just let our minds run free, mm-hmm. let our thoughts run free, let our feelings run free without kind of like having that sort of filter where we're like taking, taking a look at all of those things that are kind of, um, I don't know, coming from us, but also like that are being created by kind of forces on the outside. But yeah, let's, uh, let's hop on to the next clip here. I think one of these coming up, I don't think we've heard it yet, but one of these, uh, we're going to listen to part of a message from Paul that you read. Um, okay, but let's hop on to the next one. Keep going. We're not going to be able to uh, think at the same level of, as him. And, and in our world today, right, we're, we're trying to limit everything to space and time and, and have everything under our rational thought process. God stands outside of it. We cannot wrap our minds around God. That was a short little clip. But that made me think of, we kind of touched on that in our last podcast, too, with kind of the way that I was talking about how I think about things in a rational way. Mm. And I was kind of trying to visualize things on like on a scale, kind of like in a binary. And man, I feel like we could probably do a whole podcast just on that one clip there, just about how, you know, I mean, especially for me personally, like, I think that's something that I struggle with a lot, like that idea that, you know, basically trying to rationalize everything in your mind is not necessarily, or it's definitely not the right way to go. Yeah, I mean, reason is a powerful tool. We we built uh, we built uh, the empirical sciences on this ability to think, and now I think we're at the point where we're questioning our ability even to think. But uh, but Isaiah fifty five is it's you know God is saying I'm above you, you're below me, you're never gonna you know. And earlier on in Isaiah he says, Hey, can the can the clay say to the potter, Why'd you make me this way? You know, um, the clay is limited. By the potter, and just as our minds are limited by our uh, by our human flesh and and uh, uh, finitude and all that, I guess. But um, 
I see it as one of the the major major things that we're up against as the church. Um, this and we have people who are trying to come up with all the reasons why people should believe in God. I'm, there were not necessarily there are rational logical arguments, but they might not you know stand up to these people who who've you know come up with their systems of thought. You know, you think about uh, my family's watching a lot of the Marvel movies right now, and I remember watching the movie Interstellar. I don't know if I've talked about that or not, but I don't think I watched about that movie, and I'm like, that's what atheists are looking for. They're looking for the the mathematical equation that'll explain mm-hmm. everything, and that's I think that's what people are after mm-hmm. that rational uh, argument or or answer that's going to explain all the unexplainable things. Um, not realizing that we're, we're all living by faith. We're all trusting something. And uh, Yeah, so what do we do with those unexplainable things? Well, we trust, we trust in God. Mm-hmm. We, we trust that God has an explanation, that, that His ways are higher than our ways, that His thoughts are higher than our thoughts, and that how He's made everything work is probably at some level incomprehensible to us. We should be so in awe that our mind is built to be able to understand the things of this world. Like the fact that we can uh, build microscopes to look deep and telescopes to look far. And, I mean, it's, it's incredible that we even have this gift. Um, we could ask, why, why do we even have this ability? Or how do we have this ability? Or how can we even trust that we ha- like what we're seeing is true? And those are questions, we, I guess we started off with this. Um, I don't know if this is getting at exactly yeah. what you're going for. But the science community is, I think they're afraid to ask or answer some of those questions, or they maybe, maybe say those questions are irrelevant. Um, and our response might not be exactly what's satisfying to the rational mind, but our whole experience, our whole life experience is not merely rational. It's not merely in our mind. Feelings themselves aren't rational, right? So I don't know. I think uh, at the end of the day, you know, Isaiah 55 says, return to me. Uh, seek me. Seek the Lord while he may be found. It says, you know, come to God, all you who have no money, and buy whatever you want. Right? Like, that's a pretty cool invitation. You might not be able to make sense of it. It doesn't matter. You might not have anything, but it doesn't matter. You know, we all have gotten the invitation. Mm-hmm. I think we're a lot of times so inward-focused that, that it seems like that that's a good explanation for why, kind of to get at what you were just saying, like why people kind of like are, they can't get out of the, the, the thought process of everything needing to be rational. Or basically, basically that like a lot of times when we're focused inward, like all we're thinking about is, you know, our thoughts, our feelings, what's going on with us. And it's, it's difficult to have that ability to kind of separate out and be like, no, like it is like there are things that are bigger than that and bigger that are bigger than ourself um, that we don't necessarily understand and that it's, that that's okay for us to not understand it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, none of us live by logic alone. Mm-hmm. No one does. Yeah. I don't know if I shared the story or not, but I, uh, my wife and I really started uh, getting to know each other because I skipped a logic class. So, yeah, love isn't logical. <laughs> So, not at all. All right, <laughs> let's hop on to the next clip here. I think we've got two more. Part of the injustice that we've done as Christians is we've said that if you think the right things, then you're saved. We might say, you know, 
believe in Jesus and you'll be saved. But what we mean by that is think the right things about Jesus and you'll be saved. Well, do you believe this? Well, do you believe that? <laughs> we don't look at a person's life per se. We look at what comes out of their head. We've glorified the thought life in the midst of this world that is caught up in only the thought life. We're not trying to help people renew their whole life so much as merely thinking the right things. What if, what if instead of merely thinking the right things, we, we followed Jesus? We allowed Jesus to, to challenge us and, and uh, start thinking in different ways, escaping this uh, limitations of, of, of sinfulness, of our, our human experience. Controversial question. Yeah. Is this kind of an argument against denominations? It kind of sounded like it in the beginning, just a little bit. An you argument know? against denominations? Within the church, you know, thinking about how we get so caught up in, like, what do you think about this? What do you think about that? Mm. What's your interpretation of this I would part, say of the, a part of the my Bible? Thought, my thought was more modern apologetics okay. than denominationalism. Okay. Um, I do think denominationalism will go away soon, mm-hmm. uh, at, at some level at least. Um, but yeah, I mean, I, we're way more focused on people like thinking the right things rather than living the right way. But we have to acknowledge that different thoughts lead to different lives. That's very true. So I think it's important for us to get our to get our thoughts straight, to articulate ourselves well. And you look back to like Thomas Aquinas, you look back to like Augustine, you look back through history, there have been a lot of articulate Christians who also lived holy lives. So it's not a matter of being inarticulate or not being thoughtful uh, per se. I think it's more of an issue of synthesizing that into real life. Mm-hmm. And uh, um, I, get, I get sick of Christians who their life has no fruit other than they can articulate some points well. Like, what, else, what else do you have to show? Mm-hmm. I think you kind of touched on that last week, too, when you were talking about how um, you were saying something about how, like, you were like, I don't feel like we have a good, what was it, like, we don't have a good example, or we don't have a good, um, uh, like, like, image of, like, what, what was it, like, what, uh, like, a holy life should look like, or what, uh, do you remember yeah. exactly how you worded that? I don't know. I don't I'm... remember, but yeah. Okay. I, I know you're saying. Yeah, it's we... kind of like what you were. We need, we need people to be those guides. Like, Paul mm-hmm. says, follow me as I follow Christ. You know, so he was that example for those people. Like, hey, we, we've met Paul. We see what it looks like to, to have your life renewed by Jesus and, and mm-hmm. to be following him. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. I think that's, yeah, I think you told a story about your, um, oh, what story did you tell? I'm trying to remember. Yeah, I don't remember. It was a very powerful one. Yeah, very powerful. Yeah. I'll, I'll remember it later. Um, but yeah, I think that that, I don't know. I'm just like, I'm just processing through that right now. Yeah, I guess um, I, I believe that we as Christians, um, we need to engage less in arguments and more in conversations. You know, we, we need to fight a little less and invite people into our homes a little more. We just need to live life together mm-hmm. and, uh, you know, also hear people's feelings and motivations behind their thoughts. Uh, we can play out, like, where things, different theologies lead, you know, and I, I think we can see, like, the church has held to a certain theology over centuries, and the church has persisted for centuries, 
you know, something built on a lie isn't going to stand, right? Jesus says, I'm the way, the truth, and the life. So we know that reality is structured by Jesus, and if we live in, in his word and in his, in his teachings, we know that we'll persist along with him. Mm-hmm. So, and I guess the whole denominationalism thing, I think that the, that the church is going to start working itself out a little bit around, around like the Apostles' Creed, which we say in some of our services. It's the basic Christian teaching articulated, you know, 1,700 years ago, and I think it provides just a great basis. And I think there's people that would say, I don't believe that Jesus was born from a virgin. Okay, well, are you really part of the church then? Mm-hmm. You know, I don't believe that God created everything. Are you really part of the church then? You know, I don't believe in the resurrection of the dead. Should you really be calling yourself a Christian? These have been the articulated beliefs and, and uh, what have oriented the, the minds of Christians for millennia. Mm-hmm. So I think, I think we'll see, uh, start to see a death of denominationalism to mm-hmm. some degree. I do. Sure. All right, well, let's hop into the last clip here and keep it rolling. In Matthew chapter 11, Jesus said, Come to me all you who are weary and heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Maybe he meant physically. Maybe he meant those people who've been working all day in the field and needed a rest. But I wonder if, if deeper, he, he, in a deeper way, he meant those who are weary in their minds. What if he meant, come to me, all you who are depressed. Come to me, all you who are struggling with anxiousness. Come to me, all you who can't sort out your minds and what you're going through. Come to me, all you who are feeling the depths of loneliness and despair. And I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you. Take, away my, take upon you my way of thinking, my way of being, my way of living, and experience the freedom that comes from knowing Christ. I wanted to talk about this clip a little bit because I think that it it becomes, it's a lot more difficult in daily life to do that than we really realize. You know, I feel like oh, that, yeah. that, that verse or those words are used a lot. You know, people think about them a lot, you know, when, mm-hmm. when things are really difficult and when bad things are happening in their life. And it's kind of, it's, it becomes that like fallback. It's like when you hit rock bottom, you know, like that's what kind of gets you through is thinking about that. But mm-hmm. there's, a, there's a place for that in your everyday life that I think people don't take advantage of or don't really think about because of the fact that, you know, when things seemingly are like going okay or feeling okay, it's it's hard for us to um, kind of accept that loss of control to be able to let go of those things and kind of like put those things on God. It's a lot easier when, you know, things are not going great. Yeah, well, I mean, as I was putting together this sermon, I was like really stressing out about structuring it in a way that made sense, especially the, a, a sermon on the mind, it should make sense. And uh, I was hit again by this line that I read uh, from Dallas Willard. He's like, the way of renewal um, is a way of grace and rest. So, come on, dude. You're going to preach a sermon on renewal and be stressed out about it? <laughs> so uh, just to recenter myself and say, mm-hmm. the, the, the process of putting this sermon together should not be antithetical. It should not be opposite to the very message of grace and rest that I'm trying to mm-hmm. deliver to people. You know, so it happens to me. It happens. It happens to everyone, right? So, um, how do we come before God and say, right, "You actually have peace and rest and grace in mind"? You know, so um, how should that reorient our thought lives? 
you know, I, and I, I, Matthew 11, 28 to 30 has been a big, uh, passage for me. I, I blogged for a period of my life and I think it's just 20. Does that still exist out there? It's, it's still out there somewhere, but, uh, I haven't taken it off the internet. I think it was like 2014. I was like, you know what? I'm gonna write a blog every week. It was my, uh, my new year's resolution. I think I made it to like April or May. Should we do another podcast where we go back and oh man, go over I, your old blogs? I had some poetry. I had some. Good, I had some decent stuff out there. I mean, it's it's. Gosh, it's almost ten years old by now. But um, where was I going? I called it blessed, blessed burden. You know, so uh, it's a blessed burden. It's it's the lightest burden to carry. You know, the way of Christ because it's the way of grace and rest. Mm-hmm. But it is a burden. It's a burden to rest because you gotta <laughs> you gotta submit uh, to God's way. Yeah. So let's just finish up with. Um, so for those people that made it this far into the podcast, made it all the way to the end. Thanks what, for staying along with us. Yeah. Just like kind of just encapsulating it. Like what, what renewal does God offer us for our mind? What's, what's, what is out there for us? What's, what gift is he trying to give us in terms of renewal for our mind that we can kind of like accept or take advantage of? I think mental clarity, mental peace. Um, God is looking to, to put us wholly back together, and, and that includes our, our mind, which has been twisted ever since Satan asked the question, did God really say, you know, is, it, is your mind working the right way, you know? And so I think what God offers to us is that, is that mental clarity and uh, um, peace of mind, you know, um, and the opportunity to know what he wants, what he desires, uh, what God's, he's, he's not trying to hide it from us. You know, I, uh, in Deuteronomy, God's, you know, Moses says to the people, you know, God's word is it's not like it's across the sea, where it's like, who's going to go get it for us? It's not like it's up in heaven, like, who's going to be able to ascend up there and get it? No, it's like, God's word is very near you. It's in your mouth. It's in your heart that you might do it. Mm-hmm. It's like God is just, he's made it, he's made his way abundantly clear. It's like, will we just, will we set our minds to it? Mm-hmm. All right, so let's set our minds to it. So there we go. Yeah. Thanks, everybody, for listening. <laughs> um, let's see. So we've talked about renewal of the heart. We've talked about renewal of the mind. Next is body. Renewal I'm of the body. excited about up. that uh, because I think we've got a lot of body issues mm-hmm. uh, in our world today. So it'd be kind of fun to work through how do we renew these things, these bodies we have. Yeah. All right. So check out the next service. going to be going live Friday, 419. Um, yeah. Feel free to uh, check oh, we out. We did our... have some questions. We didn't take any questions. Do you want to go over some questions? Uh, I know it's been a while, but I, I think if we want people, we want people to start submitting questions. So let's. let's you want to tackle pick, some of them? Pick, pick your favorite up. one. Yeah. Let's, uh, we got a couple. We're looking at the time and we're like, oh, I think we're going kind of long, but we can definitely go over some questions here. It's our um, longest podcast yet, but you know, give us another couple of months and maybe we can maybe, maybe we we'll can trim top it down this. a little bit or top it. Yeah, <laughs> we can start going hour and a half, three hours. I don't know. Okay, now to... people are overwhelmed. Yeah, Nick. people listen to podcasts for three hours. All right, so let's go with let's stick with. So this question was submitted. It's kind of it has pretty specifically to do with what we were talking about, and I like it because it um, it kind of ties in our last sermon series about evil and kind of what the connection is to renewal. So this question was, is evil the predecessor to renewal? Or how do I find mm-hmm. where I need renewal before the onset of evil? So it sounds like they're kind of asking, like, <laughs> yeah, do you okay. need to have evil? F- like, is is renewal required because yeah. of evil? Interesting. Or kind you of know, getting at the nature of what renewal is, I guess. That's a good question. And right now, 
my mind's in a lot of places because I, I also uh, lead a, a church, uh, River of Life, in, in Sockville, Wisconsin, and we're going through a sermon series on Romans. Mm-hmm. And uh, in Romans, Paul, he says in verse 15 of chapter 1, he says, I'm eager to preach the gospel of God. So uh, I'm really trying to see Romans, the whole book of Romans, as like this one big story of the full gospel. And the first place Roman, that, that Romans goes is how broken the world and how broken the individual is. So as he starts to unpack the gospel, the first place he goes is evil. So I do think that it is, cent- it is central to our experience of renewal, the acknowledgement that we're messed up. You know, I think that's why confession and forgiveness is baked in to every service, every proper service, this experience of, wow, I, yeah, I am sinful. I am broken, and I need, I need something outside of myself. Mm-hmm. Um, or as our good friend Flame would say, extra nose, right, outside of ourselves. So, yeah, I, does that, I, I, yeah. I think... Uh, and, and that's why, as we were, you know, planning our series, it's like, what what should follow evil? Well, renewal makes sense, because when you, when we actually visit the depths, you know, we need something to pull us out. If Christ pulls us out, and it's like, what are we going to do next? Mm-hmm. Well, get on the track of renewal. So, well, with that, I guess if you have any other questions that that come to your mind, thanks for listening again. But mm-hmm. but we'd love to tackle your questions too, and and uh, be able to provide those answers that, that you might be looking for, too. Yeah, so send us an email at firstmen.church at gmail.com. Yep, that that'll, right. get, that'll get there. Yeah, or send us a DM on Instagram. Um, we'd love to kind of add it to the list of questions. Um, hopefully, you know, we'll go through a bit more next time. We've kind of got a list going here, so next <laughs> week we'll have some more questions as well that we can we go, go over. Um, but yeah, thanks, everybody, for listening, and we'll see you next week. Thanks for listening to Second Take, a deeper dive into sermons from firstmen.church with Pastor Ethan Lumen and cameraman Nick. Connect with us whenever and wherever you are. Just search firstmen.church on all your social platforms or head to our website, firstmen.church, for more ways to connect and serve. Thanks, and catch you next time.